We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Light Years. Andy Lou, night off. We got Aaron Larsoul setting in. Aaron, appreciate you as always. We are, this is coming out Monday morning, the 20th. We are eight days away Ooh. from Warriors Camp starting. Um, Niners 2 0 for those who are yeah. for That's those right. who are still Raider fans, they're also 2-0. Uh, it's weird, like NBA season coming upon us. I don't know where are you at with the NBA season? Are you there mentally? Are you in football, baseball mode? Um, where are you at? I mean, I've kind of given up on the A's, um, even though I did watch. <laughs> I did watch. Uh, I did watch them uh, struggle and then beat the Angels. They're, the last they're gonna. Two days. They're gonna keep us invested till the end of the year. But for for the other listeners, the you know the Giants are clearly going to the playoffs, so they're gonna have some stakes. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of my my sports bandwidth, uh, luckily at this point, I, I've kind of given up on the A's. So so that's maybe ten percent of my sports bandwidth. Um, normally, a lot of it would be tied up in Cal football. Cal is also as usual terrible. So I'm not as invested as I I am still invested, and I I got mad even with the win yesterday <laughs> or two days ago as you listen to this. Um, so as far as the NFL and and hoops, I'm always I mean because of work, I'm always uh, kind of tied into hoops hoops is kind of the, my number one priority but i had high i have had and have high hopes uh for for this niner season so i'm definitely invested in in the niner season I, I don't know why trey lance didn't play yesterday as you listen to this but um jimmy g just ain't it so that <laughs> that diminishes some of the fun but uh no i'm very invested in in the niner season and the nfl with gambling and fantasy and all of that of course it does feel like so i'll just do it we'll do a side tangent on the yes, Niners let's. before we get to the the warriors and kind of why people listen to the show um it does feel like expectations are higher for the niners because they're two and oh they mostly took care of business in the first two games mostly and it does not feel like people are satisfied with the way they're playing at all. I'm just opposing this to 2019 mm -hmm. uh, where obviously they started eight. No, uh, but they were equally 
they were kind of winning games in the early part, but it wasn't like, you know, blowout after blood or anything like that. Um, they did have a few blots in there for just to be clear. Uh, but it felt like everyone was like, oh my God, this team is good. It does feel like this team is the, the expectation is minimum second round of the playoffs. Yeah. I think that the Niners have, if not the best among the best three or four rosters, top to bottom in the NFL. My two concerns are Jimmy G just isn't any good. Um, and he is a limited, <laughs> he just isn't any good. And that's a limiting factor. Uh, as we saw today, he played pretty well or yesterday, as you listened to this, he played well last week. The other thing that makes me nervous is for the second year in a row, the 49ers specifically defensively are already in trouble um, with injuries. So I, I am concerned about, about the defensive backfield specifically because of injuries, but obviously Raheem Mostert is out. I thought they played really well. Oh, no, they um, did for the most part. Today. Like, yeah. he, they, you're they telling me you're without part. your two starting corners. Can't ask for much more than you got today. I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, a couple uh, a, a couple interference penalties from Josh Norman. And I agree with that. But it just like feels like last year where it's already like real core pieces are already out for the year. Or, you know, Greenlaw, I don't think is out for the year, but is, is already on IR and out for several weeks. So and then most starts out for the year. And um, so I'm already, I'm already, and, uh, and uh, Verrett's out for the year. So I'm already concerned about the injuries because it just feels like a repeat of last year. And Jimmy G's just not any good. So I think those are <laughs> limiting factors. I don't know why uh, his backup, I don't know why the guy that they spent three first round, I actually, you know what, two first round picks. I don't like saying they spent three first round picks because one of the picks was in that draft. They were going to pick in the first round 2021, no matter what. Right. So, yeah, so, so they right. spent two first round picks and gave up their first round pick in the draft to move up. Um, so I'm concerned. I don't know why he didn't play if he was injured. I mean, he played last week. Um, Brandon, Ayuk played a little bit. He made a fantastic catch, but didn't do much else. So I, I don't know. I, I think there are some concerns and, and uh, I've heard on your show at other places, the interesting comparisons people are trying to make between Shanahan and, and Kerr about uh, what to do with these super talented guys that don't seem to fit into whatever the like structure is. So I, I have is, concerns. This is a market that, uh, that loves their savior coach. Um, you know what? I, I, yeah. We're not getting into that today. Yeah, let's talk we're Warriors. Getting, we're getting far. Let's talk. Here. Let's talk Warriors. Basketball. I was trying to segue you with the Steve Kerr just dropping. Steve <laughs> Kerr I was trying to segue you. So I feel like the best thing to talk about this week is we're a week away from camp. It's starting to get real. I want to talk about things I'm looking forward to uh, in the Warriors season. So mm -hmm. I feel like the first one, I'm going to ask you the first one. We all agree. That first night Clay returns, yeah, is going to be special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am looking forward to his return for 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 a bunch of reasons, for a myriad of reasons, or myriad of reasons. I'm not sure, or maybe it's just myriad reasons. I'm not sure what the um the correct English there is, but for for numerous reasons, I'm looking forward to it. One is that we haven't seen, you know, we saw an oracle how how the oracle crowd could get once. Steph and Clay got going usually in those third quarter runs, uh, the yeah. flurries, et cetera. But we haven't seen that even just from Steph at, at Chase Center. But Chase at Steph, Chase at Steph Center. It should be called Steph Center. Uh, the Steph house that at, Steph Curry built, just like Steph at Chase, and just then, like Barry Bonds built AT&T Park indeed. down the way. Steph Curry built 
Chase Center. So step at Chase, and then I, I'm looking forward to that. But then Clay, that first, you know, that first ovation that he gets coming back, but also because, and I have a bunch of other things, you know, questions and things I'm wondering about about the Warriors season that we'll get to. But I think Clay is the key that unlocks, or if he doesn't look like Clay, doesn't unlock all of it. I think all of it can work if Clay is Clay or a reasonable facsimile of Clay. And frankly, I don't think any of it works if he isn't. Um, so I think the key to the season, like this is not like, <laughs> you know, you were talking about us doing uh, calculus in our heads uh, a few minutes ago. Like this isn't a hot take. This isn't that shocking. But really the key to the season and the key to the Warriors the next handful of years is if Clay looks like Clay. So that's number one on my list. You know, all of us getting to uh, give Clay a standing ovation when he, in fact, he does come back his first home game. And I, I think my guess is his first game back will probably be at home just for that reason. Um, so I'm looking forward to that ovation he gets and then just kind of more medium term and then long term. Does he look like Clay? Because that is what is really the most important factor for the Warriors next couple of seasons. Yeah, so so there's two ways to go about it. One, the emotional aspect of his return is going to be special. In terms of what a player means to a fan base, I don't think anyone in the NBA means more to their fan base than Steph Curry and Clay Thompson means to the Warrior fan base. Correct. Everyone else in the NBA who matters is somewhat a mercenary at this point. Uh, maybe you got Giannis who's starting to build a legacy that kind of mirrors, you know, Kobe, Steph, yep. and like kind of these one, you know, Dirk, these one franchise sure. type of guys. Uh, but he's not there yet. He just, you know, he's, he hasn't done it for 10, 12 years. Like these guys have, right. Like, um, so obviously Steph is number one means everything to warrior fans. And when Steph retires, he's going to get a golden statue, uh, whatever, whatever the hell he wants, but like clay on another level, it's just, it's hard to imagine clay playing for another team. It's also hard to really explain what he, what he means to warrior fans. And when you factor in what he's had to go through the last two years, that's where it's like, you know, it makes everyone a little emotional and want to see him. So I'm super hyped to see how that goes. I think it's going to be, I think the year is going to be a little frustrating for him basketball wise. There's going to be a lot of like ups and downs. And like the only thing I really care about is him making it to the end of the season healthy, because I truly do think as soon as whenever he shakes off the rust, maybe it takes 20 games, maybe it takes 70 games. I do think he can be similar to the player. He was pre-injury offensively at minimum. That shot is not going away. He doesn't rely on athleticism. It's just going to take time for him to work through it. But the thing that can sink him is if he keeps re-aggravating stuff. So right. we don't want to see that. Now on the basketball side, let's talk, let's talk about that a little well, bit. I have, well, I, I, have, I have a question, though. I was yeah. just thinking about this. I know Steph is the longest tenured guy with one team in the NBA. Is Clay second? Um, well, technically, Udonis Haslam. Oh, so yeah, good point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point. But, yeah, yeah, you think playing, Clay is second. been playing for Miami since like 1996. I think Clay is actually second. Um, I'm looking it up right now. It would have to have been someone drafted in 2010. Right, Clay's and, 2011. And none of those players are still in their original franchise. I mean, I don't know that how many how many of them are still in the league. More than you'd think, but also not that. Actually, no, not more than you think, but yes. So actually, I do think you are correct. I think he is behind 
behind Steph, the longest tenured player in the NBA. Like um, other than UD, who yeah, good, yeah. good for him. I mean, when did, when did Haslam get drafted? He didn't get drafted. He was on Oh, that's right. He's just. I mean, but he's also how long has he been on Miami? Coach. Way too long. He yeah. was on the 06 uh, title team, which is three years before Steph got Yeah, drafted, good point. So. Okay, so it's, so it's UD, then Steph, then then Clay, maybe. And by the way, Dre is probably coming up on that list pretty quickly, too. Yeah, he might be third or fourth. Yeah, I think there's yeah, a few players in the 2012 draft. Um, Bradley Beal comes to mind. Um, I also, I, you were talking about Russ. I don't, I, I'm going back and forth when you were saying this. If I think that Clay is going to be somebody who is like... Not immune to rust, but I don't like. I think it, there aren't going to be like. It's not going to be much middle ground. I think he's either going to have no rust or he's going to be incredibly rusty. I, I don't remember which season was it. I think it was the season he made those fourteen threes in Chicago. Uh, oh yeah, where he, he could not a hit a of, three yeah. forever. Right. It was the weirdest thing where you're like these are looks Clay makes, and he was just short or just right. He was off. shooting like twenty six percent from three. Yeah. And then he made fourteen. And you're like, okay, now Clay's back. Yeah, and it's and, and that's just kind of how he rolls. Like, I, at no point am I going to be worried about his jump shot. No point I'm be like, ooh, does he? Did he forget how to shoot? Like, come on, you know? right? But that's like, but that's like basically offensively ninety percent of his value. So that's why I have as as I think you do also. That's why I have pretty high expectations for what he looks like offensively. What is the next thing you're looking forward to in this Warriors season? Okay, so the second thing, and I, I think you and I kind of uh, are in lockstep on this, is this roster, the fringe pieces look look different. And I think the Warriors front office did a pretty good job um, under the circumstances in the offseason. But the core pieces of this season look a lot like the core pieces going into last season, meaning it's Steph, uh, it's Dre, it's Wiggins, Looney, if you want to, if you want to say so, and then a bunch of kids. Last year and two years ago, I think the Warriors front office and maybe coaching staff have had this mantra that they are going to be able to thread the needle, win, and also develop. You know, so so Jay, Joe Lacob can have his his uh, wet dream of of we're going to be the Spurs and win for twenty years. We're going to be dominant for twenty five years. I think that last year. If it didn't prove, it got pretty damn close that that is not a real thing that can happen in the NBA anymore. So did the front office, did the coaching staff learn their lesson from last year? And thusly, how do they manage winning versus development? I suspect it's going to tilt more and more and more and more towards winning. Um, we saw some of that towards the end of last year, even before Wiseman got hurt. Um, again, I'm a Wiseman true believer, but he was pretty awful for most of the year. So, and he was even before he got hurt, right. His role had been, had been changed. So did the front office, did ownership, did the coaching staff, even though the coaching staff is very different. So we'll just say Steve Kerr learned their lesson last year in trying to balance winning versus uh, development and winning in the future. Yeah. I mean, I I'm excited to see it too. For me, I want to take it in a different direction. I'm actually just excited to see what kind of wrinkles they put into it. Steve Kerr said this, he said he thought the coaching staff got a little stale. Too many mm -hmm. yes men. Mm -hmm. um, those things happen, to be honest. Like when you have the same staff and a head coach has so, so much cachet, like it's not easy to be like, you know, everyone saying like we should do things a certain way. You being the guy who's like, no, let's do it the opposite. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, you so, have um, to. Have, I mean, you have to have like some organizational juice to be able to go against 
whatever a coach like who's the won three is. championships. Yeah, exactly. Just period. Yeah. And speaking I mean, of tenure, he's he's got to be. Steve's got to be among the the longest tenured coaches. Also, Spolstra, Pop, Kerr. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Because Carlisle moved on. There's right. no one else who Kerr is now the third most tenured coach. It's actually wild now that I think about it. The Warriors. I'm not saying they are the Spurs or they're going to recreate what the Spurs did, but like everything that was new with this team, all of a sudden they're kind of the old guys on the block players, coaches, organization. Like they, they have tenure, you know, Steve's been the head coach. This is his eighth year. And that, and that's, that, that's a problem. And you you see it all over the place, right? You see it. um, Right. When I was with the Blazers, it happened with, with Nate McMillan. Like you see even good coaches, you see it all over the place where if guys are around for a while and even Carlisle in, in Dallas, like eventually any voice, it doesn't matter who it is, any voice just starts getting stale. So I think, I think, I think the Warriors have done a good job in hopefully bringing in, I think it's Kenny Atkinson specifically, but yeah, hopefully I was, bringing I was in guys say, like, that are going to have enough cachet around the league and have enough confidence to be able to push back against a guy with, with that tenure and reputation. I was going to say like guys like Jama, like people I talk to speak very highly of him as a development coach. Um, and then like Mihailovic, like clearly has been brought in to work with the big men in very specific mm-hmm. functions. But like Kenny Atkinson is going to have the seat next to Steve Kerr and Mike Brown. He's he's not just there to develop Kuminka. You know, right. he's there to be a voice in terms of strategy and stuff. And I'm I'm very excited for that because Steve Kerr hasn't really had an outside voice maybe since Alvin Gentry. Yeah. I mean, and there's all those old stories about, yeah, uh, I think it was, you know, the Memphis series, however many years back where, you know, let's put, let's put Bogut, <laughs> let's, let's switch it up and have Bogut guard Tony Allen. Right. And that's supposedly unlocked the series from, from, uh, yeah. from the video room. So like, if that story is to be believed, um, hopefully Steve Kerr is, is open to, to listening to other ideas and criticism. However, as is human nature, right? That was before Steve Kerr had won three titles and had established himself as, as the, this dude. So that has a way of making people stubborn. And I'm not picking on Steve. That's just human nature. Um, but hopefully he is open to, to some new voices because, frankly, as I mentioned a, a minute ago, like it doesn't matter who you are. If it, the same voice is going to get stale. So, so I don't think Steve's voice has necessarily got stale. Like We know the core rides with him. And that's what matters. Ultimately, True. as long as Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green ride with him, he is the safest man in America. You know, like, oh, absolutely. And Draymond's uh, going to tell everybody, "Fuck you." And yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I think that's part of the reason Draymond probably really likes him because it's like I can have honest conversations and blow up and that sort of stuff in ways that let's just say a coach who I didn't have a long-term relationship with might not allow. Um, anyway, to be fair, all the, to be fair though, all those dudes rode with Mark Jackson too. That's true. They are incredibly coachable. Anyway, what I was going to say is what, what specific changes are you actually looking for? Like, what do you, what would you be excited for, for Kenny Atkins to do? Because that's the number one pushback people give. Yeah. Like, it's like, what, well, what do you want to see them do different? For me, it, it has to do more with, I don't want to say less read and react, but like not everyone can, you can't just assume everyone has like a PhD in basketball. I think that's it. it Exactly. I think that's it. Exactly. Um, I'm not going to say less read and react because it seems that 
they have more you of know, a roster that can do that. So I, I think it is more, it's not any one thing specifically. It is more fitting whatever the Warriors system and ethos is to the guys on the current roster. And that clearly wasn't the case at the beginning of last year. And I want to see, I'm interested, not I want to see specifically, I'm interested to see if, you know, the Warriors played eight guys and, and uh, Looney was the only center and played, you know, whatever, 18 minutes a night towards the end of the, end of the year. And the Warriors won, what it was at 15 out of the last 20 games, probably should have beaten the Lakers, probably should have beaten Memphis. And so it looked like they had settled on something. And I, I give Steve credit for that because um, he didn't have a lot to work with and he figured out something that worked. Yeah. His hand was kind of forced, but it was really effective. So how willing is he to go to that or continue that? Because it, it frankly, it just works. So, you know, is, is Steve with a more full complement of a roster, um, even and, though and the big where, guys aren't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, and that's where like getting Otto Porter, Andre Godala, Nick, uh, uh, Nemanja Bielitsa. Yeah. That makes sense because like the Warriors at their core shoot the ball or move the ball. That's mm -hmm. it. We don't need Kelly Oubre, you know, showing us his bag. Like just to yeah, be but uh, but here's the thing. And you talk <laughs> about like what was what was once new is now old. Yeah, with the Warriors, you you mentioned that. That's the thing. Like that was revolutionary when the Warriors were doing it in thirteen, fourteen, and fourteen, fifteen, and fifteen, sixteen. It's not revolutionary anymore. So is Kerr willing and able to adjust and go to what works, right? The small ball lineup worked. The, Jordan the pick, Poole the next pick and to roll, Steph worked. Right, right. Even though, like, even though it's not something that is in Kerr's DNA, it's not something that he prefers, it's not how he would like to play. Again, it goes back to what I said a couple minutes ago. Is Kerr willing and able because, you know, you, you, to being being willing and being able are two different things. Is he willing and able to coach this team in a way where he is going to put the best sets in place and the best right, lineups right. in place with what he has? Not not what what is his like ethereal idea of what basketball should be. It's it's like being in college versus when you get into the real world and have a job. There's what <laughs> you want to do, sure, and then there's what you have to do. Right. So you there's, remember the, you there's remember the, the idealism you had when you were a junior in college about how you're going to change the world. And then there was what I need to accomplish before my quarterly review. So I don't get fired. So those are not the same. Do you remember? And I think that I think he's a weirdo now. Um, so I, I am making no, uh, <laughs> I, I am not verifying whatever he's now. But do you remember Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla? They had that show Love Lines back in the day. <laughs> this is how I know we're in the same age range. Yes. Yeah. So, so I used to, um, so in, you used to call in? No, hell no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I used to go. I, re, I remember very specifically my brother and I driving across the bridge going to A's games. And then on the way back, sometimes we'd, we'd pop on love lines. And I remember Dr. Drew saying the only thing from that show that stuck with me, we just used to listen and like laugh at the people who are I mean, out of their minds. Right. Yes. And so, <laughs> but the only th one thing that stuck with me that Dr. Drew used to say to people all the time was deal with reality on reality's terms which always meant to me, like, let's not think of things how, like the world, we would all like it to be a certain way or any situation, we'd like it to be a certain way or we think it should be a certain way. But if it isn't, let's right. deal with it as it is. Watching, so will Steve Kerr deal with the Warriors reality on reality's terms? I'm watching Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs play. And they, they, have 14, the most, they have the most fun offense in the NFL, probably. 
You don't think it's Jimmy G led? Uh, I'm just, offs? I'm just saying you can watch this offense, but there's only like four teams who can probably replicate like 80% of it. Cause you don't have the talent, you don't have the deal with reality the, on reality's terms. Yeah, right. You don't have we the players to play. You don't have the players Correct. to play that way. So I'm excited. Yeah, to see you know, that. I always do the Jeff Tedford, right? The cheesecake menu. Yeah. yeah. The cheesecake factory menu uh, uh, playbook back when he was at Cal. I mean, that works when you have Aaron Rodgers, but then you get some other random college get quarterback. Nate, in there. Nate, Nate Longshore in there. It's, it's not so Kevin good. Riley. I'm yeah. just trying to show off my Cal football. Yeah, you, yeah, you did well, but yeah. So like <laughs> you have to, and that was, that was ended up probably being Tedford's downfall. It, you have to, you can't just have your system and try to fit anybody into that system. The job of, of, of a head coach is figure, do the best you can with what you got. Deal with reality on reality's terms. So will Steve Kerr and the front office uh, and ownership deal with reality on reality's terms? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I have a third thing I'm most excited about. I'm going to say mine first, then we're going to get to yours. Okay. Mine's Jordan Poole. There's, um, a lot, there's a lot of reason to be excited about Jordan Poole. One, I'm always going to have kind of side perimeter over interior talent-wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's just in my DNA. It's what I've always liked. It's what made the Warriors good. It's just, I mean, it's an aesthetic preference. Where the NBA has been for the last few years and where it's continuing to go. Exactly. Two, if you know anything about the Warriors, you know he kind of has developed a reputation for being the ultimate gym rat on the team. He mm-hmm. lives in the facility and everything. And three, I mean, he really came on at the end of last year, was looking like uh, looking like Agent Zero out there at some points. Reminded me of like <laughs> 2002 Warriors watching Gilbert Arenas just get hot and just take over stuff. And then, you know, he gets the wizards, but I, uh, so think- now I have to tell my, I have to tell my, my Gail story now then. Okay. Let's get, All let's right. get a Gilbert Arena story. Then we'll, we'll get back to Jordan Poole. So this is, uh, I think 2001 is rookie year. Uh, I was, I was producing radio for, for KNBR and the ticket 1050. And I want to say it was the Bob France show. I think I was doing, and we would go do like on Wednesday, deep, random deep, yeah, it's a deep cut. Radio yeah, it's a, that's yeah. a deep cut. I think, <laughs> Last I heard, he was in Cleveland, I think, doing, eh, never mind. Um, so we used to do, we would do shows from an empty Oracle Arena. You know, the show was like three to seven. Right, right. And in those days, I don't know if it's still called this, but in those days, they had the hoop troop that would go out. They were uh, like when the, the Warriors girls were practicing, the hoop troop would come out there. I think they were like in Southwest overalls at that point, but they would do the, the you talking about the guys who did dunks off of the Yeah, the dunk guys. Board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
Uh, they, so, they rebranded, but um, so they're like they're practicing their dunks. They're setting up the trampoline. They're going through their little dunk routine. That I think they did it in between the third and the fourth quarter during games. And so they're kind of messing around, and all of a sudden, Gil comes out. This is probably four fifteen in the afternoon, and Gil starts like getting in line with them and trying to participate. And nobody else is out there. I, I don't really know Gil. I know him a little bit, but I don't really know him. But nobody is saying anything. So I go up to him. I, I can. Is there a language? What What do we rate this? Just podcast? go for this it. Our, all right. So I'm like, so I go up to Gil. I go, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, what? What are you? What? What are you talking about? I go, man, what the fuck are you doing? And he goes, nothing. I'm just like, you know, getting a sweat in. Man, you can't go and run and jump and dunk off a trampoline. Why not? Because you're a fucking second round pick. You have no con. What are you What are you gonna do when you tear your ACL? And everybody comes out here looking at you like, why, why are you jumping on a fucking trampoline? Take your ass back in the back in the back, get yourself together, come back out and go shoot some jumpers. You can't jump on a, the mini trampoline with the hoop. Jump. What the, the most, fuck are you doing? That is the most Gilbert Arena story of all time. Um, one yeah, of the Gil. most talented players oh, who just, oh man, ahead of his time. Gilbert Arenas, five years, 10 years later, isn't, I mean, he was a superstar for a couple of yeah. years there until his knees gave out. But like, yeah. Gilbert Arenas was made to play in this era. Oh, and, absolutely. With the space. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like he was like Russ with a jump shot, like just athletic, could get wherever he wanted, was going to dunk on you, was going like, to shoot it's a million like if threes. He, he's like the player who molds Russ and James Harden into one There you player. go. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So, I mean, he was oh, he was nasty, and he was, he was so, so good. fun to he watch. He was so good. He was so and, good. He is on another planet, and that's very on brand for him. So, other than other than Steph, and I guess maybe Chris Mullen uh, in '84, is that the Warriors' best draft? I mean, those, they yeah. got three guys that could play. Oh, um, uh, Bar- Barnes and Barnes and, and Dre is pretty good too, and and Swag Zeely, But um, I, I, they got I get, three guys. No, that you got you got to go 2012 because um, you got two starters on a title team, one of which probably redefined defense. Mm-hmm. in general so no you gotta go 2012 fair. uh i mean you even, have to go to the, you have to go 2009 to be fair well yes but i'm saying you gotta go 2012 ahead of 2001 also because yeah. while gilbert arenas while neither harrison barnes or uh draymond or azili are gonna drop 50 on you they contributed more to a title team than gilbert fair. arenas so i gotta give I thought dre one. had like 30 what do you have in game seven 35 36 yeah 32 actually 32 32 okay. he had 36 against portland and that's or 38 against portland that same playoffs he had an eight three-point game against that's portland. right eight that's right. That's eight right. in a single game one of them was like a pull-up from 26 i'm like what is going on all right so here so our so light years listeners actually <laughs> hit sam or andy or me on twitter will dre make eight threes in any month this year oh no i, I think i think the shots come back this no <laughs> no same um, question I, I think that there's potential for him to shoot 32 percent this year will and dre i will make eight I will, threes in any month this i year? will celebrate 32 percent like i celebrate him shooting 40 percent if he if he makes 32 percent of his threes there are 51 I, team i i i agree with that and i think he will make more than eight threes in any in a month yeah, I mean, if he's if he's hitting them, if he's hitting them at around a one and three clip, he's gonna take them, and if he takes them, he's gonna make one and three. 
right? Like yeah. the the, the yeah. issue with him is, and if he, he makes goes, if he does if he makes one a game, that's whatever you you're gonna play. 15, you play about 15, 14, 12, 15, yeah. yeah, sixteen games, yeah. All right. I think I think the thing with him is like, will he ride out a cold streak? And that's just what I've always wanted to see with him. It's like, dude, just take the open shot. I'm I'm okay with you going zero for four from three three games in a row. I, it's oh, better. Four than, sounds lovely. It, it sounds lo- better than like those games yeah. where it's like he's wait he's waiting for stuff to come off of fourteen screens. The willingness to shoot is what's important. Sorry, you, Jordan Poole. I, I my my story got you off of your Jordan Jordan Poole. How excited you are about Jordan Poole? I think he has a legitimate shot to win Sixth Man of the Year. I agree. Or most improved player. There's oh. he might end up starting before Clay comes back. It's I don't know what to read into them prioritizing signing a ball handler is it because mm-hmm. they want to play jordan pool more shooting guard um or is it just because they recognize that they need more of that in the depth or is it a little of both it's probably a little of both but hey, the reason i say it is steve kerr said he might start jordan pool to begin the season and i don't think he can start jordan pool unless he feels confident that he has another ball handler off the bench um mm-hmm who can run a few minutes that there's no Steph or pool on the floor. Like in, in theory, I think they're going to have one of Steph and pool on the floor all the game, but like foul trouble happens, weird things happen. So if they're both starting, you have to have someone you feel confident can like steady the ship for three, four minutes. So we talked at the beginning of last year um, on this show. And I said, I thought a mistake that I know Steve Kerr is a defense first coach, but, I thought a mistake that that he and the Warriors were making was prioritizing defense at the sake of offense. And I think I still think that's a mistake. So I think that Jordan Poole probably should start. Steph is such an otherworldly offensive player. I can make a very credible argument that he's the best offensive player ever. And so I think maximizing Steph, I, the Warriors have had a problem basically as long as Steph has been there of saying, like Steph will get us to competence on offense. And so we'll be elite defensively. And then Steph, just go ahead and figure it out. Steph needs help on offense. And, and he, even if it's just to give him space to operate on offense. So I think the best versions of the Warriors until Clay comes back are versions that maximize Steph offensively. And so guys that can give him room to operate are what the Warriors need. Draymond and Wiggins and Looney can get the Warriors that starting five group. If it is, um, if it is pool and Steph, those three guys in the front court can get the Warriors to competent defensively. Like Drake, Drake can with, with a little bit of help, Drake can get you to a good, if not great defense where the Warriors improvement can and needs to be made is on offense. And that means taking some burden off of Steph so that he can do what he did last year just without being taxed like he was. And I think playing him a fair amount of minutes with Jordan Poole is going to help until Clay comes back. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm just excited to see what he can do this year. I really do think a big step's come from him. I, I called my shot on previous pods. I will not be surprised if he's the second leading scorer on this team. I don't I think agree. it'll be Clay because I agree with you. Clay's going to be on this weird minutes limit where like we all know he's the second most likely player to go supernova on the roster. But like... Mm-hmm. Because of the minutes limit, I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged like 14 points in 25 yes. minutes type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think Clay can get you 25 in the playoffs, hopefully. 
Yeah, I but mean, the goal, the, regular the, season, yeah. the goal is to have Clay back to being Clay when the playoffs come around. So it's I think not, it's, it's not I think to have it's, Clay being Clay chasing a, you know, uh, Minnesota in. I think the answer January. is twenty-eight to thirty from Steph, and then sixteen to eighteen to twenty from both Wiggins and Jordan Poole. I think I think that's what I think that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and then hopefully when Clay comes back again, another like mid-teens from him on the minutes limit, and all of a sudden it's like you know you don't have the number two you want per se, but like you have a, an assortment of guys who can be a number two on a given night, which yeah, is yeah. What, what they need. And then everything else falls into place after that. So I'm excited about that. What, what is your other thing? You're All right. So my about? third one, I'm going to do it quickly is, mm-hmm. am I right about James Wiseman? I've been saying forever. I'm still not selling my Wiseman stock. I am the biggest Wiseman true believer in the, Maybe in all of like NBA media, I am just the biggest Wiseman true believer. I still believe, I think he was misused last year. I think, um, you know, the, the turn lack of training camp and lack of summer league, now lack of summer league again, lack of college games, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of that um, hampered him, but there were so many flashes. So I am a Wiseman true believer. Am I right? I still think Wiseman can be among the best handful of players in the league. That's not going to happen this year, but do we see a step in that direction? And the reason why I'm so fascinated to see that and why it is so important to this Warriors team is because they just don't have any options up front other than him and Looney. Him and Looney are the only real centers on the team. Yes, Yeah, but Bielitsa Bielitsa is a four or five, certainly a stretch five, like as far as a big body we who knows he he's been a non-factor the last two years who knows what kind of shape he's gonna that's be true in. you're kind of hoping he can play a role that like most spades played in the past where he like yeah right needs some instant offense maybe he gives us 18 to 20 minutes tonight but on another night it might be seven minutes but the yeah. only two guys where you say those guys are centers and nothing else are looney and wiseman of course draymond's going to play some center of course, Bielitsa is going to play some center. I think it's possible JTA plays a little bit of center in, in, in some lineups. But the Warriors, even in their search for another ball handler and, and guard, and with the 15th guy, is that going to be GP2? Like, who knows, right? It brought some guys in. I think it is. I think we need to see something from Wiseman this year. I suspect we will see something from Wiseman this year. And, and the Warriors need it because, as I said, right, like Looney is the only other traditional, this guy is a five on the roster. so. I think Wiseman is you. a big key I, to the year. I think at the core, they need 35 good minutes out of those two a night. Right. And, Which and means you're you, not getting more than, and whatever, like I'm not a huge Looney fan. He's fine. But even, even in the best of times, and he's fine, but even the in the best, best of times, times is you're getting close minutes. to 20. Yeah. yeah. You're getting 20 minutes in the best of times. So, so what if you're you really, need 35 out of those two, you need 15 like real center minutes from, somewhere else we're, we're hoping for 20 minutes a game out of Wiseman 20 winning winning minutes a game out of yeah. him and maybe that comes with the second unit maybe the maybe the way to use him is like all right man we're not gonna make you play all your minutes against Jokic against Gobert against these like grown men who we think you can compete with but like you know in a year or two right. maybe it comes at the beginning of the second quarter and, sorry, end of the first, beginning of the set. Maybe he gets, you know, he comes in at the three-minute mark in the first quarter and rides eight to ten minutes into the middle of the second quarter and gives you some real productivity because backup bigs in the NBA mostly suck. Like honestly, yeah. Like very few teams have a backup big that I'm worried about Wiseman going against. 
even so in I, his current like raw rookie state. Yeah. Like, and maybe that's what maybe that's what he does because I agree with you. Like Wiseman and the injury really sets him back. I feel really bad that that's going on. But like if by mid-season, end of season, you're like, you know what? Like, all right, you know, he it's not that he's like scrap, you know become destroyer of the worlds, but like he's given you solid minutes. Like that's a big W. So I, my hope is that by the end of the year in the minutes that matter, Draymond is probably going to play center, but I was talking about this uh, in some Lakers stuff about Anthony Davis and his reluctance to play center. And I said, well, maybe part of it is because of the wear and tear on your body the starting centers around the league are, you know, generally much more talented and generally much bigger. And if you're playing against the backup guys, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're playing against the backup guys, that's a very different experience. Um, You know, for AD, like uh, DeAndre Ayton, you know, played pretty well against him, even when he was, when AD was reasonably healthy at the beginning of the Suns and Lakers series. But if he had continued, if AD had stayed healthy and played some five against the backups, like, Okay, then you're looking at Frank Kaminsky and Dario Saric. Like, right, it's just a W. It's a it, right. It's a W for your small ball or whatever. So maybe, five. so maybe, maybe that is the path. At least you know, at first, or you know, as he's coming back for for Wiseman to get some confidence and playing against smaller and less athletic guys that he can really feast against. I do want to see him if it is going to be in some second units. I, whether that's Jordan Poole, whoever is initiating, I think he does need to, his role needs to be simplified. I think he needs to be in and, the dunker spot or setting or setting. I was, I was also going to say getting him all the minutes Draymond's on the floor is also yeah. huge because like yeah. if Draymond's on the floor, whatever ball screen you're running, you want it to run through Draymond. He's the best decision maker you have. He's also like, well, you're going to put him in the corner. Like, right. You only have, if, if, if he's on the floor <laughs> with Draymond you, and you're running pick and roll, you only have two options, right? You can spot up or dunker spot. Yeah. You can have him. No, you can have him in the dunker spot. I think the only other option is if Draymond is handling and you have, uh, and you have Wiseman as the screener because Draymond yeah. can make some things and you have, you have Steph or Steph and clay spaced right. out. I think that can work too, but I, I think Wiseman's year is of much more consequence, maybe not to the long-term future, and as far as asset management and all that, but as far as this year, I think I think Wiseman's season is much more meaningful than even Kaminga's season because the Warriors have more meaningful and more established replacements or other options right. on the There's, wing than they do. You got JTA, you got yeah. Otto Porter, Iguodala exactly. is you know a hundred years old, but like he knows how to play <laughs> basketball. Like you just you just aren't going to play him thirty five minutes a game. It's not like it's I not mean, like Iguodala doesn't know how to play. Maybe in the playoffs, but not. Yeah, not before yeah. That. So it's like you, you're right. Like Kuminga, like if Kuminga if he, if he needs can't a month, play, like he, whatever. If he needs a month in the G League, it's no sweat off the big team's rotation. Correct. If Wiseman needs a month in the G League, I, I mean, Draymond might have to you play better, 20 like, minutes you better, a game You better center. know that Draymond and Bielitsa can play 30 minutes at center. Yeah, exactly. Or Otto Porter or JT, like whoever. But you better be, you better be willing to have those other options. Um, mm. So I think, I think there is a world. I don't, think the, I don't think they will do it. But I think there is a world, and I'm hopeful, where towards the end of the year, Wiseman looks like he should be starting it won't happen because Kerr trusts uh you know Kerr trusts the guys he trusts and he trusts the lineups he has and he trusts people being in the right spot and Kevon Looney 
for all of his limitations is going to stand in the right spot on defense. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the upside is so stark and is there that maybe there is a world in which Wiseman looks like, and eh, maybe this dude should be the starting five towards the middle or end of next year. And, and that, and that's the goal. I don't care if he starts opening night. I want, I want by Christmas, New Year's, us to be like, should he be starting? Mm-hmm. Is it time? Is it time? Like, you know, like, cause like everything with him is it's a combo of experience and health. So to be I'm, fair, like his, his own numbers were pretty good. Yeah, as far as yeah. his per minute numbers. When he played, he was good. And, his, but that's no, not, that's not, the, his that's not, that's not the thing. Like he, he's so physically gifted. He can play poorly and walk into 20 and 10. That is the yeah. level of talent he has, yes. which is like, it's easy to lose sight of when you're watching him, like not make any rotation. <laughs> Where like this guy does not know what he's doing and he still had 18 points in 15 minutes type of thing. So, you know, like yeah. that, that and on efficiency. So I, I think, I think you're, you're right. I think that's interesting. And we're going to end it here week away from camp. Ooh, let's get it. Can't wait. Appreciate you, my man. Anytime, brother. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.